Hi, happy homeschoolers. Before the episode begins, we have a special announcement. That's right. We're announcing the launch of our brand new website. Go to www.happyhomeschoolerpodcast.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes. Access show notes. Learn a little about everyone who works on our show. And more. Go to www.happyhomeschoolerpodcast.com and check it out today. Now on with the show. the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Melody. I'm your co-host, Jennifer. And I'm your co-host, Holly. Today, we'll be starting a new series, Homeschooling Across America, beginning with homeschooling in Texas. But before we get to that, how has everyone been? Jennifer? I'm great. Um, I just got back from a cruise with my husband and two of my sons, and it was wonderful and amazing, and I loved it, and I'm exhausted from it. (laughs) Uh, But we went to Belize and Honduras, and it was just, it was a really, really great trip, and we we just had such a good time. What about you, Holly? What have you been doing? Well, I have been making a consistent effort to prioritize my health and wellness by um, making sure that at least three mornings a week, I take time to do a little 15 to 20 minutes of yoga. And I'm getting my son and me out to the park a little bit more often. I, I just realized that I wasn't consistently hitting these health and wellness touch points in my day. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't feeling very good. I didn't feel bad, but you know, I didn't feel good. So in the couple of weeks since I started doing that, I'm now feeling much more like myself. And one of our local libraries has been really helping me with this uh, goal because they offer a one hour yoga twice a month. That's great. Um, Yeah. So my, a friend of mine from my church and I went last night and it was delicious. It's really worth it, you know, to make that time. And, And we talk about it but it's not okay just to talk about it. You actually have to do it. So mm-hmm. I am doing what I tell everybody to do. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you it's definitely worth it. So that's that's what's been going that's on great. in my neck of the woods. Yeah. What about you, Melody? What's been going on for you? Oh, well, I'm glad we've had some cooler mornings. And so mm-hmm. I got outside and started poking around in the garden to see if anything survived all the heat. And um, our tomatoes, which they looked dead. I mean, they were dead. But we had a really nice rain shower. And lo and behold, they started sprouting up, uh, growing new little, putting off leaves way down toward the bottom. So I got out there and cut off all the dead stems and they've already grown about a foot since I did that. So I'm not a big garden, just my one tomato patch, but (laughs) it's been amazing. Like they came back and I was shocked because I stopped watering and we were having multiple hundred degree days where it was hundred degrees by nine o'clock in the morning. It's like, those are not the tomatoes I was getting were about the size of a marble. Oh, they (laughs) struggle so much. I was like, oh, y'all are done. I was just going to start over, but I thought, well, it'll be fun to see what happens. I don't know how stressed those plants were from being thirsty, but um, they're growing. So that's, it's fun to get back outside. I'm not out there for a long time because it is kind of warming <laughs> up, but um, just to be outside and enjoy the you know, birds are singing again. It's just cooler. It's like, there's a hint of fall. I know it's officially mm-hmm. fall, but now it feels a little bit like fall and 
that's pretty exciting. It's so good for our mental health to get outside. And yeah. I realized that we hadn't been getting outside much. And we went one day, there was a homeschool park day. It was 105 degrees, but the mom who scheduled it, she brought a big shade canopy for everybody to gather under and the park had a running splash pad. Mm-hmm. And you know, we spent two hours outside. There was a nice breeze. Thankfully, we almost always have a nice breeze here where I live. And when I went home, I said to my husband, I know what's been missing in my outlook. Mm-hmm. I just haven't been outside enough. Yeah. You know, and that really, it's very important. These things mm-hmm. are not academic things, you know, that I was saying, like, get your exercise or get outside. They're not academic things at all, but they enhance your life so much. They're yes. well worth taking the time to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get into our topic today. We are always curious about what other homeschoolers are doing across the nation, across the world, really. And so we want to explore and interview some people from different states around the country and find out what it's like to homeschool there, what are the rules there, how do they work with them, and uh, just what it looks like wherever you live. And so we're going to start today with Texas, because that's where we are. People might think, well, I live in this certain state. Why do I care about what people do in another state? But we're such a mobile society. You know, people are always changing jobs, and Mm -hmm. it would be really nice to know ahead of time. Say your husband gets um, invited to work in another state to know what those homeschool regulations are to to find out if that's really a job that you all want to take. Or if you're considering moving, it could Mm -hmm. really help you make a choice in what state you're going to look at to move to as well. Yeah, I told my husband when he was in corporate America, um, like if they offer you, you know, to change to New York, that's a big no. (laughs) I don't want to go to school in New York. We have a lot of requirements, which we'll find out (laughs) as we do this series. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, and I know of people who are looking around and what the environment for homeschooling, what is it like wherever they were going to move? That's what decided where they were going to go. So they, that was their top priority. Then they found a job. And so, mm-hmm. you know, unless we know, and it's not the same throughout the country. So it's good. Yeah. And we'll be talking about this later too, but the, like the culture of homeschooling in the state uh, is important because it changes from state to state. So if you're looking for a good homeschool community, uh, some states have, you know, more accessible communities than others. So that's good to learn about too. So let's start off talking about what are what the rules are in our state, because all the states have different rules. And that's something you want to be aware of when you get started. One of you ladies want to start off and talk about our rules? Well, we have a couple of different things under which we operate. One is that Texas homeschooling fits into the compulsory school attendance exemptions. So um, the Texas Education Code has information in it about what schools are and who doesn't have to go to public school under, you know, like you can go to a private school, right. or you can homeschool. So that's in our education code. We didn't always have that provision. Melody and I once did a an, an episode on homeschooling in the dark ages. And we talked about how when we began homeschooling, I started in 93. Melody, when did you start? Well, we decided to homeschool in 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my son was, you know, one and a half. But I already, like I have said before, we already, I was coming from the classroom and I did not want to repeat that experience for my children. And so back in 1984, actually, I believe that's when the Leaper case was yeah. filed. Mm-hmm. But before then, you know, people were being arrested for truancy and there was this big hullabaloo over whether or not you could legally 
do this thing that was homeschooling. And so mm-hmm. in spite of all that, I was, we were going to figure out a way, no matter what it was. And yeah. even at the time, I was like, well, are we going to have to move somewhere else? Because I don't want to move. Right. Right. But and we were waiting to see what was going to yeah. happen. Yeah. And it wasn't finally decided as legal here until 1994. So the first right. year I homeschooled, I had the Texas Handbook for Homeschoolers, which I'd gotten, and it had all these helpful things. And I had it open to the page on compulsory education because I'd taken a child <laughs> out of public school and yeah, I was afraid somebody about it. Yeah. knocking on the door. <laughs> So, so we have the education code that provides for homeschooling. That's one of the, the facets of the rules and regulations. Jennifer, do you um, want to talk about what our requirements sure. are? And yeah. I'd also like to add in that ruling in 1994, what basically was decided is that homeschools are considered private schools in our state of Texas. And in addition to that, private schools do not have any regulation in the state of Texas. So Mm -hmm. the same uh, lack of regulations, I guess you would say, that are afforded to a private school are equally afforded to a homeschool within our state. Um, And I think people find that a little bit maybe surprising because they expect that private schools would have a lot of, like have to follow more rules and regulations, such as like testing and reporting and things like that. But in the state of Texas, they do not have to do any of that. So we do have three requirements for what we're supposed to be teaching as homeschoolers or as a private school. The first one is that the instruction must be bona fide, which means just that it's not a fake instruction. Your your curriculum's not fake and made up. The second requirement is that it must be in a visual form. That can really be anything as long as it's something you can look at work, you know, workbooks, books, computers, videos, anything that you can see visually. And then the third requirement is that you have to teach uh, these five subjects, reading, spelling, grammar, math, and good citizenship. Interestingly, uh, history and science are not in there at all. They're not required in any way whatsoever. Those are the uh, basic requirements for our state. And it leaves out a lot. There's a lot of things we are not required to do, which I'm sure we'll start talking about that too. Yeah. The The thing that's nice is that because we don't have a lot of burdensome requirements, we don't have to do certain hours, you know, we don't have to prove that we've homeschooled for six hours a day. We don't have to put in a certain number of days a year. We are not required to take time for testing. What happens is that homeschoolers go above and beyond because Mm -hmm. we have the freedom to do it. I know a lot of homeschoolers who do have their kids take some tests. Because mm-hmm. they want, they're very diligent. They want to be right. sure their children are learning. I know homeschoolers who homeschool year round. Like, but it, it's so nice because no one family is like another. Right. And it, it allows us to have the latitude and the autonomy to educate our children in the way that is best for our children. There's a great deal of freedom in the Texas homeschooling laws for sure. And there's, and like you said, we are not required to do testing or keep attendance, but we're also not required to report to anyone, which I think in a lot of states is a common thing that you have to report Mm -hmm. uh, every so often. Uh, We're also not required to keep any type of records in our state. We're also, we do not have any graduation requirements. It's up to the 
the parent or the, you know, director of your homeschool, which is your parent, to, uh, to decide when a student's ready to graduate. It leaves a lot of decisions up to the parents. It leaves it open, like you said, for each family to decide what works best for them. Well, and those decisions belong to the parents anyway. Mm-hmm. And parents want to do a good job for their children. And so if you are not hampered by having to create a portfolio, which is not a, I mean, you can do that. It's great to look back on those things. But those things take time. All those reporting steps that some of mm-hmm. my other friends and other places have to do, they have to take time to do that instead of doing those record keeping type things to turn into someone and get approval for. We're doing other parts of life that are educational. Right. And so, like, of course, we keep records. I keep records because I want to remember what did we do and have we covered this? And my kids want grades, which was amazing to me that they wanted <laughs> It is funny. Uh, Liam wanted, uh, started wanting grades last year. I don't really put letters, but I'll put percentages. Mm -hmm. And I think that Mm -hmm. is helpful, you know, because if you only got 50% of your math paper correct, there may be a few things you didn't understand and maybe we should work on those. (laughs) Right. And it is a way to mark progress. Mm -hmm. And so, and we did that for math, especially, and then, you know, spelling and things like that. And for language, we would have like a rubric. Did you, are you doing these things? Just so they would know what kinds of things, what kinds of errors they needed to be correcting. But we keep those records. It seems like to me, from what I've seen, it's like we do all the things, like you mentioned, above and beyond. We hit all the marks and then we go further because we're not having to take time to keep all these papers and all this uh, documentation proven that we're doing the best job we want to for our child. I mean, of course, we're going to go above and beyond. And then we can just follow their interests. And then all of those things that they want to, all those subjects, areas that they want to study, we just incorporate all the reading, spelling and grammar. And all yes, I would say homeschoolers right certainly it. cover more than those five subjects that are required oh, for sure. by far. <laughs> and yeah. another uh, really nice thing, I think, about those requirements, the subject requirements is that it, there's no guidelines on how you teach those subjects. So you can choose whatever type of form of curriculum, mm-hmm. type of curriculum. Um, you know, if it's important for you to have a, a secular curriculum or a Christian curriculum, like those are your choices in our state. So you right. can you can choose whatever works best for you and your child uh, for all of those. And Unlike this, you know, within our school system in the state, it's very laid out which curriculums they're using for each subject. Approved books and that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Right. You can use anything. So we don't have those limitations. So before I come stampeding into Texas, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's just let's also just tell you that our state does not provide any educational funds. Right. You do not get any um, tax breaks or write-offs. None you still all. have to pay your property you, tax. You still which pay funds yes. public education. A lot of times on my home our homeschool list, people. Say I'm moving there, and then they're horrified. What do you right. mean? Because in their state, they received funding. Yeah, right. Yeah, they received funding. Or, um, you know, in Texas, we did. Uh, I don't remember. It was recently when they um, voted to allow schools to let homeschoolers yes. participate in mm-hmm. uh, sports or other things. Um, yes. So far, and I we have I don't know 
250-some counties, I think, in Texas. Very few school districts have right. opted in. It is, it is an opt-in situation. It's up to the discretion of the county to decide right. if they want to do that. And the school district. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, some people, they're used to their state allowing the kids to right. you know, go into the public schools. So it, it is a little bit different in that you have all this freedom. And because you have all this freedom, you also get all the responsibility. You pay for all your yes. school books and, and all those things. Yes. And some of us who've homeschooled for a long time, we really like it that way. We don't want to have to be beholden mm-hmm. to any entities because once they start handing out money, they usually want mm-hmm. some kind of oversight or reporting. Um, so that part is a little different for mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah, I would, for people who do want to participate in public school athletics, in the districts that do allow it, they have requirements that you have to follow. So as soon as you, you know, opt in to doing the public school activities, you're also opting into testing and grades and reporting. Right. Which is, yeah. if you know that going in and that's your yeah, choice. Yeah, that's okay with you. Having, right. No, but yes. homeschoolers are pretty creative about finding what they want. And people mm-hmm. who want team sports have started homeschool leagues. Oh, and yes. And you can find just about anything you can find. You might mm-hmm. have to drive a little farther than you thought, but, but everything in Texas is a drive, so. Yeah, and in fact, just there are do, some. You make time for the things that are important. Yeah, there are some uh, sports leagues homeschool sports leagues that are nationwide um, and they're very active here in Texas and some kids are getting recruited to colleges and getting scholarships and being scouted from homeschool sports yes so you know your kids are not options Mm -hmm. yeah there there are so many options so um you know there's the there's the good you get freedom there's the you know you get responsibility part of it I wanted to also talk a little bit about the the rules about like withdrawing from school if you are in public school here in Texas. That's really important. So yes, first, right. if, if you are not, if your child, if your student has never been enrolled in school, so let's say they're supposed to start kindergarten or they've been homeschooling or whatever, but if they've never been in public school, you don't have to do anything in our state. You don't have to report to anybody. You don't have to tell anybody they're not going to come to school. You just simply don't enroll in school. That's all you have to do. Nobody will know. That's mm-hmm. it. But if your student has been enrolled in public school previously and you've decided to homeschool, you do need to withdraw your student from school because then if you don't, if you just stop going or don't show up the next year, you can be reported for truancy and things like that. And you just don't want to have to you know, mess with somebody having to investigate why your child's not at school. The best way, I, it, I this is my opinion, but I've also seen most people agree with this, is to just do it by mail. Just write a letter, a certified letter. You send it to your attendance office saying that I'll be homeschooling next year or starting tomorrow or whenever you decide it is. And uh, make sure that you do it by certified mail so that you get a receipt so that you can prove that you've sent it in. And that's mm-hmm. really all that you need to do. You just need to notify your school. You can can, however, go also in person to notify your school, like to the attendance office and fill out a form that it's usually called, I think, um, I think it's called an intent to homeschool form at most places and school offices should have them. And you can fill out that form and just give it to them. Or you could just personally deliver a letter to them. If you do that, if you choose to fill out the form sometimes, and I've heard this happen in a lot of school districts near me, 
you will be asked to tell them what curriculum you'll be using. And that is absolutely not required in our state. You do not have to give them that information. You just have to tell them you're going to be homeschooling. And that's right. Yeah. So you if your kid is in school, you give a letter of withdrawal. Sometimes they'll ask you more about it and you give them a letter of assurance. We are homeschooling Mm -hmm. in a bona fide manner. Our curriculum covers those required things. things. That's Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And and please do not give them stuff that they're not allowed to have because that makes it harder for the next person. Right. Uh, We have rules that cover homeschooling and they Mm -hmm. are to protect us. And if we give away um, information that we're not required to give away, it also confuses the public about what they're allowed to ask. Absolutely. And I think often the stories I've heard where people have had bad situations with schools is usually because the the person they're speaking to in the office just doesn't know anything about homeschooling or the rules and regulations in our state. So they say things to them that just aren't true, or they ask them for information that they're not allowed to ask for. And it's really just simply an ignorance about the issue. Um, So make sure that you're educated and know that what you you can and can't say or don't need to say, Mm -hmm. so that if you're asked for more information, you don't do that. This time of year, there's nothing scarier than making high school transcripts by hand. With all the time it takes to calculate grade point averages by hand, it can feel like a trick. But with Transcript Maker, you just plug your courses and grades into the template and the GPA appears like magic. What a treat! Now I have more time to pick all the chocolate out of the kids' Halloween bags. One of my favorite Halloween activities is visiting as many haunted houses as I can. With all my transcripts held in the cloud, I can access them wherever and whenever I need to, even if I'm being chased by a guy with a chainsaw. Between costumes, decorations, and candy, my bank account is giving me a scare. But Transcript Maker offers a 14-day free trial, so you can give it a test drive and see how you like it. And for our listeners, you'll have a really happy Halloween with 20% off the cost of your subscription using our exclusive coupon code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. Don't be scared of making a high school transcript for your student. Go to www.transcriptmaker.com today. Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. Yeah, I remember when my daughter was in pre-K and kinder and first grade at the end of first grade. You know, at the end of each school year, you have to fill out a form. Yes, my child's coming back or no, my child's not. And so I I put my child is not going to be returning to this elementary school. And then they asked me, you know, what will you be doing? And I said, we'll be homeschooling. And that's why I was like, "Mm, are they going to come for us? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, But they didn't. And this was in 1993. Now, fortunately... My daughter was in a a very urban school district. We lived in the Austin area at the time. And mm-hmm. and so I think they knew maybe a little bit more than some of the more rural school districts. I think they were a little more well-versed in that. Right. Um, and, the, and the ongoing court case at that time. So right. uh, we were probably in a little sweet spot there. But, you know, it's good to I know you're right. So. Well, it was in the news. It mm-hmm. is. It was in the news then. And then happily now, almost everyone has turned of homeschooling. Yeah. COVID and so many people changing 
their education choices. It's not as foreign a concept as it was. Yeah, I would definitely say that school yeah. school districts are much more aware of homeschooling now as well and, and know how to handle withdrawals mm-hmm. better, I think. Yeah, it's kind of hit them in the pocketbook, oh. though. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I think they're they're trying to figure out ways to get homeschoolers to come back. Um, yeah, but I, boy, uh, it's hard to give up your freedom once you get the taste of it. <laughs> That's for sure. It's curious that they don't open their arms to those sports programs for the people who want them because those right there are some. I'm very confused by all of that. <laughs> well, I don't think that the monetary return is, is worth high it enough. Yeah. Yeah. because yeah, the student has it. to be in. Like they take attendance in the morning because that's when the daily count gets made. And in Texas, Mm -hmm. they receive their, the state funding is based on attendance. So I think that's why it's not a bigger draw because I don't think it's participating in sports doesn't, yeah, Yeah, doesn't benefit that. I think you're right. Uh, I wanted to mention real quick that another uh, law in Texas that you want to be aware of is that a lot of areas, cities, counties have daytime curfew laws. Um, that can affect homeschool families. We're exempt from those because our children are schooling, but a lot of times people aren't aware about homeschooling again, don't have knowledge about it. So I have had personal experiences where my kids were at a park and they were picked up by the police because they weren't, it was during daytime curfew hours, which is hours when kids are supposed to be in school, I guess. That's what the laws are for. Um, So, and it was easily taken care of. I I just, you know, explained that we homeschool and I happened to have people that understood what I was talking about and it worked out Mm -hmm. fine. Um, And and you're not going to get, you you can't really get in trouble for it. It's legal what we're doing. Uh, But just be aware, you might want to know, maybe have your kids have an ID card or something like that. Uh, So, and that they understand that they may have to explain why they're out in the middle of the day somewhere, Mm -hmm. uh, especially if they're of an age where they can be out by themselves. Or, Or go to a job. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Right, we have right. we've had that issue with a lot of our teenagers here locally because they have rules about the hours students can work, the amount of time they can work at a certain age because of school and they're not allowed to work during school hours. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, you have to kind of negotiate those things sometimes and and just explain to an employer uh, like from the beginning, this is what homeschooling is and it's legal. And, you know, sometimes it just takes a lot of uh, extra effort of, to explain your situation. Yeah, that is yeah. so interesting because in my area, uh, most some of my children had jobs um, working with like small mom and pop type stores. They mm-hmm. were it was during school hours and they were yeah. young, but uh, nobody around here batted an eye. And I don't know if it's because we were in such a remote location or because we're in a small location, people know each other. Yeah. And we're just those homeschoolers. But um, <laughs> that's interesting that you, I mean, you had to experience that. Even a long time ago, when we first started, way back in the 80s, um, like we just didn't go places during school mm-hmm. hours because sometimes there just wasn't worth all the questions. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Well, we, I remember. You know, I was like, we would go to the library because there was story hour. And then my older children began to get noticeably larger than the other (laughs) 
preschoolers who were there and their people were wondering what we were doing at the library at 10 o'clock in the morning. And thankfully, most of the libraries were very excited about homeschooling. And we were always careful with our books and we brought home piles and piles of them and you can forge those relationships. But as we went along, I totally forgot about school hours and school band and session. And we just went everything and did everywhere right. and did everything. And occasionally someone would say like, oh, is it a holiday today? And we're like, oh, we had early dismissal, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or we're a private school and we had a holiday today. But most of the time, no one is even paying attention. No. And I think it's so common now. Uh, Mm -hmm. In Texas, the people are so aware of it and homeschoolers are out and about all day long, every day going to all kinds of activities. And, you know, there's special classes for homeschool, like, you know, gymnastics classes for homeschoolers and music classes for homeschoolers that are happening during the daytime hours. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's just kind of a normal thing now for people. Uh, So I don't see people staying at home during school hours at all. No, sometimes I think they need to go home (laughs) and crack open a book or two. Um, You know, sometimes people, it's so exciting to have all these options. Uh, And even a lot of our local libraries, um, they have homeschool specific activities. Mm-hmm. Um, Our Texas libraries are wonderful homeschool supporters. They are. But but sometimes I think in all the excitement of all the things that, that we can do, kids are just, you know, and families are just running here and there. And sometimes, you know, I'm like, well, I, I think maybe you just you can't do everything, you know, just because everything mm-hmm. is available doesn't mean you should do it. And I think yeah. uh, like for my son, I, I tell him, like, you can do so many activities and then that's it. We're not going to add any more because yeah. it starts to make crazy, <laughs> you know, so balance is important, but that's, that's a personal thing. Well, let's talk a minute about those five subjects that we're required to talk about. I know one that really people trip over a lot is the good citizenship mm-hmm. subject. So what, let's talk about that. What did y'all do for good citizenship? Well, to me, I just thought of that as a basics. Uh, civics is what I consider it, right? And to me, that's being in your community, volunteering, uh, getting to know your community and being active in it. So we've done a lot of that over the years, tons of volunteering. But also throughout the years, we did uh, government classes and economics classes and you know, those types of things. So I, to me, that's what I felt was a good citizenship requirement. And it doesn't say you only teach it once and you're done. So I think that, you know, as your children get older, you keep expanding. Like for for my younger kids, we talk about being good neighbors, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to be out and making noise and bothering the neighbors with our things go into their yard. We don't just run into their yard. We go ask, oh, my ball went into your yard. Mind if I get it? You know, we we help our neighbors. And then as they get older, you expand that out. Oh, right. Lena, what does it mean to be a good citizen of our community? Now, my um, mm-hmm. my son, um, that I, he's seen me do a lot of activities as regards um, helping people to be aware of uh, going out to vote, the importance of voting. Mm-hmm. And and so um, that to me is another, you know, another slice being a good citizen by looking out for other people you know if we see trash along the road he's especially about this when we go to the park sometimes I'm like we can't pick up all this trash because we came to do a certain purpose but when we go to the park you know he's like oh there's trash and if we have a plastic bag in the car something we'll mm-hmm. pick, start picking up trash um you know if we 
uh, we had a problem with, as most people who've been listening for a while know, we had we were overrun with cats out here where I live. And part of being a good citizen was to help that situation mm-hmm. by finding homes for the cats and getting the cats fixed. Like there are so many layers of being a good right. citizen. Right. Um, you just and, have to look around. Really, I'd like to point out that all of those things that you're talking about, all the volunteering and getting out, helping your neighbor, all of that, that is being presented in a visual form is an actual, you know, action you're doing. And it does right. qualify as a visual form of, of learning. Oh, that's yes. a good point. And then too, like we're doing that every year because yes. I always felt like history f- falls under that umbrella too, mm-hmm. because you're learning yes. about how your community came to be, the history of our nation, the history of our state. And yes. so like, it's a big umbrella, that good citizenship requirement. <laughs> and it's not hard to fulfill. I've been asked, uh, this is one of the the one subject that people have asked me about the most and the the requirements is what is it and how do we do it? And I've had several people ask, so are we required to say the pledge every morning? And I'm like, no, that's not, it does not say you have to do these certain things. If you would like to, that's great. If you don't want to, that's great. Um, There's no specifics to this requirement. Right. It's just teaching your, basically, I think of Good citizenship as don't be a jerk to the right. people around you. You know, and honestly, as homeschoolers, I feel like we have so many more opportunities to teach these things to our kids than they do in school. They don't. I don't feel like they get a lot of good citizenship curriculum during the school day. So we we have lots of time to do that. Right, and it's hard to do practical things. So yes, recently I went to. It was just super funny to me. So I went to an event with a friend of mine, and at the event they uh, wanted everyone there to say the Pledge of Allegiance, and then because hashtag Texas, they wanted us to say the Pledge to the Texas flag. Well, um, a lot of people in this state didn't grow up here, and they don't even know. Like, right, like you have right. a didn't know we had one. Right? I don't yeah, know it. <laughs> didn't know we had one. Uh, I can tell you the beginning of it is under the Texas flag, and there you go. That's about it. <laughs> so anyway, they didn't put it up on the, you know, like on the uh, overhead or anything. So I thought to myself, you know what? This school year, I'm going to concentrate on teaching my son some of these things, this cultural Mm -hmm. awareness. So uh, we don't have a Texas flag right now, but we do have an American flag. Mm -hmm. And a couple of times a week, we go out and put it out if the weather's nice. And we do say the pledge because Mm -hmm. I don't want him to be embarrassed that he doesn't know things that other people would think he should know or to make fun of his education. If he chooses not to say it for whatever reasons, that's his business. But I want to make sure he understands Have knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's also, you know, some of the reasons why it's important to teach these things is because we live in a culture that's not limited mm-hmm. to ourselves and our mm-hmm. own opinions, you know, so it's good to right. for cultural awareness to teach your kids things like that. As a longtime homeschooler in Texas, I have always found that homeschooling here provides you with a really great community of people uh, who are real willing to help. I've mm-hmm. been given curriculum and I've been um, people are really willing to offer advice or information, you know, in the homeschool community, people li- almost literally would take the shirt off their back for you. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's uh, true. And so sometimes when I meet up with someone who thinks homeschooling is like, they're not really approving of it. I'm like, what's wrong? <laughs> why, why do I have to explain this? You know, like they, they, they will start subjecting you to lots of questions or asking your kids lots of questions. Right. 
Oh, what oh, great my goodness. Well, uh -huh. uh, can you do this math problem? It's like, are you asking everybody else <laughs> kids to do that? But people do. <laughs> yeah. People do ask. Not yeah. other kids, but your kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, generally, it seems like people, even non-homeschoolers, are pretty cool with homeschooling. Although, I don't know, have you all had this experience where you meet somebody, you're you're just getting to know each other, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, where does your kid go to school? And you say, oh, well, we homeschool. And they go, I can never do that. Always. I, that's, like, that's the most common answer, I right? feel like. They seem to feel really oh. <laughs> uh, judged for not homeschooling. Yes, yes. And and then they kind of feel, then they, they seem um, defensive. But mm -hmm. uh, right. but a lot of people are really, even though they don't homeschool, they're they're favorable towards it. Yeah, I and I think all of us, all of us have homeschooled in Texas for enough years to have seen that kind of evolve too, mm -hmm. and that uh, you know, twenty years ago that it may not, it wasn't as well known, it maybe not it have been looked on as favorable. But I feel like it's very, in general, in Texas, people are very accepting of the idea of homeschooling now. Yeah, it is. It is nice that people aren't seeming to be really hostile. There was some time when people were, were kind of hostile. But I know when we started mm -hmm. homeschooling, um, I went and talked to all my neighbors and I said, hey, um, we're going to start homeschooling the kids. They'll be doing all their lessons here at home. And if you see them out in the yard, uh, you know, during uh, during the day, they're having recess. I tried to use public school terms. That they <laughs> yes. were terminology. Mm -hmm. They're yes. having recess or we're doing our <laughs> physical education or they might be having their lunch outdoors, you know, and we and then we we baked good, gave baked goods to the neighbors, made them cookies and stuff. <laughs> um, that so, is an excellent idea. Yeah, Being they, a good citizen of your neighborhood. Yeah, they like this a lot. They really did. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that that's another thing, you know, as far as helping people um and helping the culture of homeschooling is mm -hmm. you know, be a valued member of the community. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. And when people would tell me that, like, oh, I could never do that, that was an open door to say, aren't you glad you don't have to unless you want to? Yeah. And then we could talk a little bit about, you know, what it involved and what our life was looking like. But trying to help them. I'm not judging other people for their choices. But mm -hmm. there was some initial defensiveness a lot of times. Because yes. they yeah. felt like I was judging their decision to put their child in the local mm -hmm. public school. And that's not the case at all. It's pretty much just, I'm just going to do my thing, you know, let me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because in our right. state, you have the freedom to choose which way you'd like mm -hmm. to educate your kids. And so it's nice that you can just talk about how we have freedom to do those things in, right. in Texas. And then it, it would be a good idea. Like sometimes people can't figure out how to find their homeschool or like their local community. Mm -hmm. And one of the places you can start is the local library because we tend to Often. be there. Mm -hmm. Often. Oh, yeah. So during school hours, chances are pretty good that that mom with those bigger children might be a homeschooler. Yeah. If you're looking for some, and some of the, like our librarian had a, had a packet to give out to homeschoolers. That's and awesome. So that's one way. And then, of course, I mean, a lot of people find their homeschool communities on Facebook, but you can also mm -hmm. just Google, you know, local yeah. homeschoolers in Texas. And I did that just to see like 50 to 100. It's crazy. Yes. <laughs> and I've had friends move throughout Texas over the years to like smaller communities and things. And pretty much across the board, you can find a homeschool support group everywhere in the state. Uh, so that's a really huge positive thing about homeschooling here. 
Right. Yeah. I always encourage people to find their local support group and join in mm-hmm. and get that support. Mm-hmm. You don't have to join anything. Right. That's totally optional. Well, but finding yeah. those local people, they know they know what's available in your area. They know good places to go and they mm-hmm. know homeschool friendly classes. And it's just good to get plugged in. Mm-hmm. I agree. And once you get plugged in, you're going to be getting so many resources. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see that all the time on our Facebook group. Somebody says, I'm in a certain area and I wonder what's going on here. And then all of a sudden it's <laughs> like a million answers. Wow. Yeah, I love I, it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm like, maybe I need to, maybe we, sh- we should move north. There's a lot more going on. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a wonderful place to homeschool and you will find a lot of support if you're homeschooling in Texas. Here at the end of our podcast, we like to answer a big question. Jennifer, what's our big question for today? Our big question today is from A, who asks, I see people talking all the time about de-schooling. What is de-schooling and how do I de-school? So what do you guys think? Have you both heard of the term de-schooling? I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh, I've told people to do it. So. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Me too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we need to define what we're even talking about. We've developed some of our own jargon and I, we might forget that people don't know what we're talking about. Right. Well, the idea of de-schooling is that homeschooling is so different from public school that you need a period of time to kind of detox the public mm-hmm. school ideas and all out of you and your kid. Mm-hmm. So when you first take them out of public school, you shouldn't just jump in with both feet and start right. homeschooling right away. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you that I actually did start homeschooling right away, but it was it was for a different reason. And I'll I'll explain that after you all talk about de-schooling. So I, uh, you know, I didn't really need to de-school because my kids just weren't in the school system. But I've talked to many, many families over the years, and especially with the older students, high school age students, when you make this decision and pull a student out of school, whether it's midterm or whether it's, you know, over the summer and starting the next year, this is such an huge life change. It's a huge academic change. There's a lot of unknowns involved. And if you just, you know, one day are in school and then the next day you're trying to recreate it at home, it's not really going to be successful. It's not usually successful that way. And students and parents need time to just just chill, just relax and mm-hmm. get to know each other a little bit, spend time together, learn each other's, you know, learn your student's learning style and observe the things that they're interested in and give yourself some time to formulate a plan. Don't just start throwing things at your kid and saying, here's your math, here's your, you know, don't do not do that. It's not going to work well. And they're going to wonder why we made this choice. Why are we doing this if it's just going to be, you know, the same thing I did yesterday at school, you know? But it doesn't mean when you take that time off, it can be as long as you need it or as short as you need it. It doesn't mean that your child's not learning during that time. You can be doing lots of things with them. You can be cooking together and watching documentaries and going to museums. You can be doing active learning things, just not, you know, it's more about like not stressing out about it, not letting it be what you call school and just relaxing with each other. Right. And sometimes de-schooling is decompressing. Like they may... You may have come out of the system because there were some things that were unpleasant there, right. or too stressful. You need time to reset. 
it depends on your child too, I will say, because some mm-hmm. children really want those checkboxes. Right. <laughs> and they get really stressed out because they if feel they like they're not it. learning mm-hmm. if they don't have a worksheet. And so mm-hmm. you get to know, like you said, get to know your children, figure out how you're going to do this new thing. We talk, we say we're like lifestyle learning. And so mm-hmm. you're finding ways and realizing and understanding that all the things you do are educational, even right. when, you know, it may be you're learning good table manners, but that's etiquette. Or it can be mm-hmm. like you can do your your schoolwork at the kitchen table, or maybe this child needs a desk in his room. Um, you're figuring out, like, what are the best ways to learn? And then also, you know, realizing that, oh, this one activity is like hitting three subject areas. Right. So, I can do multiple things with my time, more time efficient learning. It's just uh, take a moment and breathe. If you're pulling a child out and you have a start date for your school, you do want to be doing it in a bona fide manner. So you're Mm -hmm. having some school, but maybe it's not 10 pages of a workbook. Maybe it's just a little bit because you're trying to help them get some stamina for this new life of learning and um, just time to read a book, you know? Yeah. Kids are reading at school. Sometimes I was like, read this chapter, answer these questions. And they haven't had a chance to read it and just think and about enjoy, it. Enjoy, right. And enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really that pause that refreshes to get you going. And and I often tell moms, like, remember why you're doing this and write yes. it down because you can get lost in the forest for the trees. Like, did you, mm-hmm. is this what you hoped your homeschooling life would look like? Mm-hmm. And if it's not, then adjust it and make it be the dream that you had. Those are really good points. And especially if you're in a state like ours, where you don't have any requirements um, as to hours or subjects or Mm -hmm. how many days. Some people don't have that luxury where they can't do something, but the ways you can approach it, you know, make it more or less palatable. What we did is kind of funny. So I did take a child out at the end of a school year and she'd gone to pre-K and kinder in first grade. I didn't think she would be that entrenched in public school, but I was quite surprised. And there were things that were really important to her. And she was not reading on grade level when I took her out. What I did is I spent the summer working on some skills, but we didn't do, uh, you know, so many hours of reading drills or anything like that. But I did explain we're going to be homeschooling. And that means we learn at home. And I started working with her on simple phonics during that summer so that she Mm -hmm. could start on grade level at the beginning of the school year. But some of the things that were really important to her, and they seem real silly, like when you think, oh, it's homeschooling, but she wanted she wanted a lunch tray. And I've talked about this in previous episodes. She wanted to have her food on a lunch tray. She really liked that. And I'm like, hey, it makes sense. You know, you got little wells for the food. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I went to a thrift store and I bought a lunch tray for each of my kids. They each got a different color. I think they were a quarter a piece. It made her very, very happy. Yeah. Um, it was really important to her that she got to play with the kids in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So that when school, when they got, came home from school, we weren't doing school. So she could play with the neighborhood kids. Right. So sometimes you're de-schooling, but you also have to have some elements some comfortable elements mm-hmm. to kind of tie your kid into this new lifestyle. Right. So, um, you know, you while you're trying to help them think about school in a different way, don't be surprised if 
you have to give them some of the comfort things that they they had positive associations yeah. about. I think that's a great point that's because important. I think I think the big thing here is that people sometimes underestimate what a huge change this can be for mm-hmm. a child and that what you're saying and the deschooling both together are ways to help ease into this transition and mm-hmm. I think those are great ideas. Before we go, we want to leave you with a few reminders. If you've already registered for the next SAT test, the date for that test is November 4th. The late registration for the November 4th SAT test is October 24th. If you want to support us here and help us grow, it would be great if you'd help new people find our show by leaving us a five-star review and sharing it on social media. Remember that you can get 20% off the cost of your Transcript Maker subscription with the code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at happyhomeschoolpod. If you want to learn more about anything we discussed today, check the show notes in the episode description or go to our brand new website, www.happyhomeschoolerpodcast.com. Next episode, we'll be interviewing homeschooling author and podcaster, Deborah Bell. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Melody. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Holly. Happy homeschooling! Hi, this is your host, Melody Gillum. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Jennifer Jones and Holly Williams-Urbaugh. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us. Well, look at that. Nora is passionate about homeschooling. This is a great trajectory from where she didn't like to be. Homeschooling. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we're over, right? I know.